0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So Happy New Year. How are we all today? A few thumbs up. Still in Canberra. Had a good Christmas break. No one's got anything to say, yep, yeah, there's a few thumbs up, good Christmas break, who is in town for New Year's, none of you, good, okay, <laughs> we, uh, we, went, we were at Kingston Foreshore on New Year's Eve, haven't done that before, and we just happened to be on the bridge right in front of the fireworks, it was quite amazing, thank you Jesus. Um. It was really good. Fireworks were great this year. Did anyone see the fireworks this year? You're all going to sit there and stare at me. <laughs> Just trying to get a bit of conversation going. Um, okay. Well, I'll get on to the message then. <laughs> I'll get on to the message. Thank you, Jesus. So our series, as Pete already said, our series for January. In January, we like to... Um, grab a book of the Bible and just dig into it a little. And this year, we decided to look at 1 John. And uh, you'll find it almost at the back of the New Testament. It's not at the very back, but it's pretty close to Revelation. So, And it's written by the Apostle John, funnily enough, although it doesn't actually say that when you read it. Um, it's not named in the text. And it was written to the churches. And it was to help them to maintain unity and clarity of faith. Because churches need that, right? Unity and clarity of faith. But there were false teachers around who had come into the church with doctrines, and those doctrines were designed to divide and diminish the glory of Christ. What a terrible thing. John's message, whoa, did I just get louder? Well, John's message in, in all of the letters that he wrote, and he wrote a few of them, uh, was to point people to Christ. Um, his message in 1 John was to remind the churches that anything that moves our hearts away from loving God, loving Christ, and loving other people is incorrect teaching and should be rejected. Loving God and loving people is what we are all about. Yes. Yes. The Bible tells us frequently that God is love. And one John talks about, he talks a lot about love. Um, John wants us to let those words, God is love, inside of us. He wants them to get inside of us because everyone needs assurance that they are loved and cherished by God. Some people never ever get that. They live their life not realising. They think God is all sorts of things, but they don't think that they are loved and cherished by him. You know, I was in a meeting. I mean, I've been following Christ for, gosh, a very long time. <clears throat> and I was in a meeting last year at a conference. And they um, were singing a song about God's love. And I was just standing there. And I ex- the Ephesians... Paul in Ephesians says this, that you would experience his love for yourself. In Ephesians 3 it says that. And you might say, yeah, I've experienced God's love. But you know what? You can experience more. I was standing in this meeting last year and this overwhelming feeling that I have never felt before. And it was was the love of God and I could hardly stand up. I could hardly stand up. And it was beautiful and wonderful, and it actually changed me just from experiencing the love of God. And as I said, I've been following Christ for very, very, very many years. God wants us to experience the love of Christ, not not just know it. If you read the Amplified Version of Ephesians 3, it says He wants you to experience it for yourself, to feel it to let it touch you, to let it invade every pore of your being. Anyway, so 1 John talks a lot about love. The Gospel of John, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John was intended to bring us into an encounter with Christ, but 1 John was intended to help us Not just encounter Him, but walk every day with Him to make our faith obvious or to have it on display in the world, which is why we've called this series, How Will They Know? How will they know that we are followers of Christ? How? You know, if you've got a Christian bumper sticker on your car, you may not want them to know. Anyone? Sometimes. Or if someone turns up to church and goes, oh my gosh, you're a Christian that knows you outside, you think, wow, that's not great. So we want to be people who display the fact that we love Christ by the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we pray for others, the generosity that we show regularly. So today I'm going to be giving, I'm going to be talking like doing an overview of 1 John, and over the coming weeks we'll we'll look at some of the main messages of the book in more detail. And there is so much, so so much in 1 John. So 1 John was written towards the end of the first century in very interesting times in the church. I believe we are at the moment in very interesting times in the church as well. I want you to try and remember, if, if you can, what it was like when you first became a believer, when you first came to Christ. The thrill, the, the newness, the zeal, the excitement. You know, like a new thing that happens, like a new year. Some people get very excited about a new year or a new job. Everything's new. Or a new relationship. When 1 John was written, it was was written during a storm of heresy that had invaded the early church. And the newness that I was just talking about had worn off. The newness of faith, faith in Christ. So second and third generation Christians were on the scene and complacency had taken the place of enthusiasm. You know, when... um, my husband Paul a group of people started Emmaus the school in Dixon there were a group of people obviously who were there that started it and they like they were like pioneers pioneer type people and pioneer type people are special have this special gift to birth something to start something to see it come alive and then which is great, and God gifted them for that. But they're a certain type of person. And, you know, they were there and they were enthusiastic and they were at everything and, you know, it was this small community. And then as the years went on, because he was there for 18 or 19 years, as the years went on, you know, people who came, you sort of take for granted what, you, what was already there. Do you know what I'm talking about here? you sort of just slip in and think, ah. You don't sort of understand what it cost for the early pioneers. And complacency had actually come into the church during the time that one... which was the reason why John wrote One John. Christianity, for some, had become a thing of, of habit. It was just merely a tradition. It was... And some people... They had become half-hearted, nominal. People had grown used to it as, as, as and something of the wonder had been lost. The wonder of Christ. The wonder of what he did. That wonder. That beautiful song, May we never lose our wonder. Who knows that song? It's a great song. Maybe not from where how I sang it just then. You may not know what I'm talking about. But trust me. <laughs> The first thrill had gone. The flame of devotion had diminished to a mere flicker. And I think one of the things that is facing the church out now in our time during COVID is that type of thing. Is, ah, well, maybe it's always been here. I think it's here more now. And in a situation where Christians, They'd become half-hearted and nominal. Heresy has all the fertiliser it needs to grow. And that's what was happening when 1 John was written. Complacent, indifferent, all of those things are enemies to authentic Christianity. So as we move into 2022, let's make a commitment not to lose the wonder. To not become nominal to keep the flame of devotion to Christ burning bright brighter than ever because that is the one of the ways that people will know that we are followers of Christ so how do we do it well that's what this series is all about hopefully we're going to answer that in this series so four reasons why 1 John was written the first one is to bring back the joy that was missing in the church have you lost your joy One of the reasons 1 John was written, to bring that joy back, and that's in 1 John 1.4. The second reason was to help them live victorious rather than defeated lives. The third reason was to help them to not fall into deception, because heresy, as I said, was around, and remind them of the truth. And the fourth reason was to give them confidence, the confidence of their salvation. So you ready? Whoa. As I kick the stage. One John talks about, it talks about a secret weapon. It talks about the way that people will know that we are followers of Christ. The way that we will live a life of joy, full of victory. Staying away from deception. Confident in our salvation. Because there are the things that John talks about. And it comes down to a very important thing. And it's this. Our fellowship with God. Fellowship is a major theme of 1 John. And fellowship means it means oneness, it means a shared life, it means close companionship, it means joint partnership. It sounds a bit like a marriage, doesn't it? Yes, it does. (laughs) These words describe a relationship that is intimate. Does Does that describe your relationship with God? That's my question to you this morning. It doesn't always describe my relationship with God. Sometimes Paul says things to me like, so what's God talking to you about, you know, at the moment? And sometimes I might say to him, well, if I was talking to him, I could let you know. Is that just me? Sometimes you may feel like that. Sometimes I feel like that. John is encouraging us that for our joy to be full or complete, which is the... One of the reasons why John was written, it comes out of a shared life, an intimate relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. An intimate relationship. That's where where joy comes. 1 John 1 says this, We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard So that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. If you study what John is actually saying in that passage, he's saying this hey, hey guys, we were eyewitnesses, we were there. We had this shared life with Christ. We lived it. It was an eyeball-to-eyeball relationship. We saw him every day. We walked with him. We saw all of the things he did. We knew him. We watched his works. And there was so much joy because of that shared life. And he's saying that joy is not just a thing of the past. Oh, back in the day when everything was simpler, When we had him with us, it was so much greater back then. Nothing will ever compare. Have you heard people say that? Oh, back in the day, when there was no COVID, when we could do this and when we could do that. And the whole relationship with God is all about back then. And everything is about what has happened and there's nothing to look forward to. Can I tell you, there is so much to look forward to. 2022 is going to be a great year. I'm going to believe that. I hope you will believe it with me. Amen. And John, he's saying this, he's saying through fellowship with him, that joy, that, that joy that we had is accessible to every single one of us every single day. It's accessible to you and me. And joy like that, it's complete and it's full and it's the, the thing <laughs> that makes the person on the street wonder what it is about us to stand up and take notice of a Christian. It includes peace with God and knowing that I'm connected to Him. And I know for me that when I lose that connection with Him, one, one of the first things to go is My joy. It really is it it sort of disappears so how's your fellowship how's your fellowship with him going so that's the first reason it was written the second reason 1 John was written was to help them live victorious lives rather than defeated lives 1 John 2 verse 1 says my dear children I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You know, one of the things that will attack our joy and our fellowship with God and make us feel like we are defeated is is when we blow it. Does anyone find that? When they blow it. When you do something you don't want to do. You wish you didn't do, you didn't want to do, and you blow it. The Bible calls it sin, and that's not a popular thing to talk about. You know, I had someone once come into our church, and, and after church I was chatting with them, they were new, they were a visitor, and I said, oh, great to meet you, and you know, and they said, you know, you had me, everything was great, and then you started talking about sin, and that's it, that, I'm out of here. It's a true story. Every single person on the planet struggles at times and messes up. Maybe me more than you. Anyone here never had to fight the urge to do what you know you shouldn't do. (laughs) I know I shouldn't do it, but I just... Hold on to that offence and just keep going over and over and over it again. Just, and then they said that. And if they'd only be selfish. I can be selfish. Just jump in on the gossip when it's going around. Really, really, what else? What else happened? Oh, really? Really? In 1 John 1, John says, if we say that we don't blow it, we're kidding ourselves. But he goes on to say, the good news is that when we blow it, we have an advocate who represents us before God and he is Jesus Christ. An advocate. To call alongside, that's what it means. We have one called alongside us who is righteous and when we blow it, the righteous one comes to our defence. He's like the friend of an accused person, called to speak and enlist the sympathy of the judge. The accused person needs someone who will stand in his defence. These days we call them a defence lawyer. Jesus is our advocate before God, and we need one. You need one, I need one, and we have one. You might say, why do I need one? I'm a good person. I'm doing my best and I'm sure you are. But God's values, no matter how good we are, God's values are different to ours. And we need to allow Jesus to make us right before God on the inside, not just on the out, not just about what we do, but on the inside of us. And some people carry these burdens around from mistakes, and that carry these shame around. And it actually pushes them away from God. The advocate, allow the advocate to do what he wants to do for you. Allow him to do that. That's what John was trying to tell people in 1 John. Okay, the third reason that it was written, was to help them to not fall into deception and to remind them of the truth. Here we go. 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit has come from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. So discernment is a major theme in 1 John we, just, we don't just believe everyone who says that they are from God is in fact from God. John says, that he says, test them to see if what they are saying lines up with the Word of God, with the example of Jesus, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now you may be sitting there thinking, of course, Mel, of course. I have, like I was sitting there thinking about the people that I know who have come out of cults, and there's quite a few. So (laughs) I had this beautiful young woman sit in my office who I had known since she was quite young through a different community that I was a part of, who grew up in a Christian family, who sat in my office and told me the story of... This cult, she thought she was following Christ. And it happened in Canberra. Some people started talking to her in the city. She thought it was all great. She ended up being in Korea and she came back to Canberra. And like all the stuff that she went through was horrible. It was terrible. I have a good friend whose parents, when she was growing up, were part of a cult. Whenever they did something wrong, they all lived in this community. They used to lock them in the garage. See, this is real. The Bible talks about the Antichrist rising up at the second coming of Christ as it approaches, right? Yeah? So what's it all about when it says talks about antichrist. One of the meanings of antichrist in the Greek language is in place of. It can mean someone who is trying to act in place of Christ. There will come a day when the antichrist will come. In the meantime, there are going to be some antichrists who will try to get people to follow them as though they are following Christ. And John's saying, watch out for it be discerning as a christian use the word of god the example of jesus the guidance of the holy spirit but don't be fearful one john four says this but you belong to god my dear children you have already won a victory over these those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world that's good news isn't it and the final reason that we're going to look at today, 1 John was written, was to give Christians confidence of their salvation. 1 John 5 says this, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son, God's Son, does not have life. God wants us to be, John wants us to be confident. 1 John 2, 8. Now little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not draw back from him in shame at his coming. 1 John four seventeen says, By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he, as he is, we are also in this world. Confident Christians. You can come up, Gareth. Confident Christians live confident lives. We can be confident because we are in Him. We are not fearful slaves cowering and seeking permission to be alive. We are confident children standing tall because of Him in us. 1 John 5, 4 says this, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. There is immense power in that verse. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We are not helpless victims in this world, we are overcomers. We are born of God. Our victory comes from our faith. Our attachment with victory is attached to our faith. I have a lifeline that keeps me strong in this world. It keeps me strong. It keeps me confident in my salvation. And and that confidence doesn't change depending on how I'm feeling or what sort of day I'm having. I don't have to wonder. Can I still be confident? I felt God yesterday. I was confident yesterday. Maybe I can't be confident today. I've got Him because I believe. So we've talked about being a joyful Christian. Talked about living victoriously. We've talked about being a discerning Christian and being a confident Christian. All of those things will help us display the life of God to the people around us, which is what we're here for. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au